Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Titus, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Titus 2, verses 2 and 3, you can find it on page 1,858 of your pew Bibles, 1858. Titus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. May all who hear it be sanctified by its power. Well, today I will be speaking to the older generation of our church. But that doesn't mean that if you are young that you can just tune me out. For you too will one day be that older generation. So all of this applies to you as well. As Christians are... Our hope is in that eternal kingdom, which will manifest itself upon Christ's return. However, until that time, God has left you here to live out your faith in a worldly kingdom. And that particular kingdom that you are a part of is the United States of America. This is your setting. So for the time being, you are a two-kingdom creature. On the one hand, you have an obligation to your heavenly kingdom. And on the other hand, you have a duty to your country in which you were born into and to the people around you. As a heavenly citizen, your your calling is to fulfill the Great Commission, which we read in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As worldly beings, you are also instructed to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, in the Great Commission, we see the duty of a Christian to make disciples. And then in Romans 13, we see that a Christian must also submit to these worldly authorities. While the the duty to heaven is a higher calling that must take precedent when these two authorities are in disagreement, a Christian also must be mindful of the world in which they live, making every effort to do do what is right by the society they are a part of, 
And this is why Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through, 20, 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is what Paul called the believers on Crete to do. They were to remain Cretans in the best sense of the word. In order that when they proclaimed the gospel, they might save some. You see, part of what making a disciple is, is evangelism or the proclamation of the gospel. Communicating this message demands that words be spoken. For the good news is a proclamation. Those who say they share their faith by their actions don't truly understand the message of the gospel. That being said, it doesn't mean that the behavior of a Christian is not important. It's not an either-or proposition. Look at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The gospel is a transforming message. It calls a person, person to both faith and repentance. Thus, the Christian life should be an expression of God's will. And when that will is lived out, it is a demonstration to an unbelieving world of the power of the gospel. And this is the point that Paul is trying to make with Titus and the church on Crete. It is their faith in and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. This is what we saw at the beginning of this letter. In true godly living accentuates the gospel. To those chosen by God, they will, they will see such faith lived out and find it attractive. This is why Paul commanded Titus to, to silence those false teachers, for they were damaging the witness of the church by commanding Christians to, to act in ways that were contrary both to Scripture and to the world. With, with the respectability of the church in mind, Paul instructed Titus with these words. Titus 2, verse 1. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. And for the past two weeks, we have labored over this verse. 
We talked about making sure that the, the source of the teaching comes from God's word alone. And we just discussed the necessity that, that a teaching be in agreement with the triune God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But another key indicator of a false teacher can be demonstrated by the fruit that comes from them. Look at Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, what Jesus is getting at here is that a, a person's Theology will have significant bearing on their liveology. There is a conduct that conforms with Scripture and is pleasing to God. However, when a person deviates from sound doctrine, it will become apparent in how they live out their lives. And this is what was happening with those who followed the circumcision group. Those who, who got sucked into this movement were falling into practices that were unbecoming to Cretan culture. You see, they became so preoccupied with setting themselves apart from the world that they, they no longer had use any use for the things of this world. Instead of living within two kingdoms, they withdrew from one in favor of the other. And as a result... It was having a negative effect on the witness of the church. This is not what God calls his people to. The conduct that Paul put forth in, in Titus verses 2 through 10 contradicted the teachings of the circumcision group. You see, here's what Paul did. By merely showing from Scripture what true Christian moral behavior is, that in and of itself was enough to demonstrate the fallacy of these false teachers. Which brings us to our passage for today. Now, in, in Titus 2, verses 2 through 10, Paul, he, he separates out the church according to different societal role, roles. He makes distinctions in age, in sex, and in social standing. In verse 2, he, he, he speaks to the behavior of older men. In verse 3, older women. In verses 4 and 5, younger women. In verses 6 through 8, younger men. And finally, in verses 9 and 10, slaves. Today and next week, we will focus on both age and sex. And after that, we will discuss that sticky issue of slavery and how Paul dealt with the matter. For now, let's, let's take a look at verse 2 and see this first group that Paul addressed. Titus 2, verse 2. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, 
in love and in endurance. First things first, we need to understand what qualified as an older man in the first in first century Crete. The average lifespan for a man during that time was roughly 46 to 47 years of age. So the group that Paul was addressing most likely were men in their, in their upper 30s or in their 40s. It's much different than 21st century America. And, and the first thing that Paul instructs Titus to teach them is to be temperate. The ESV translates, translates this as sober-minded. Now, the Greek, the Greek word used here is nephalios, which means sober or abstaining from too much wine. But in modern English parlance, sober-minded kind of gets to, gets to that point, I think, more than temperate does. Paul, Paul is, what Paul is stating here is that, that these men should refrain from getting drunk. Instead, they should be self-controlled and worthy of respect. Basically, they were to be reputable men within their community. I and mean, think about it. How many drunks do you know that have a good reputation? Or how about men who have no self-control? You know the ones, uh, those who, who can't control their tempers, who perhaps they lash out in violence. Paul is concerned about the reputation of the church, and particularly with these older men who were leaders within their community. We live in a, in a country where alcoholism, as well as other addictions, they abound. And, and don't kid yourself, this, this is a problem within the church as well. There are God-fearing believers who are who are held captive to these things. Dear friends, if this is you, let me urge you to get help. Come to me. Come to someone you trust within the church. God wants you to be free of these things, both for your sake and for the sake of the gospel. Listen. Christ died so that you could have new life. In Jesus, he truly does have the power to set you free. This is why Paul was instructing Titus to help these men to get released from their addictions, to be sober-minded. But more than that, they needed to be sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Here we see that word sound again. And if you recall, it carries with it the connotation of being healthy. So Paul, he, he desired that these older men would be healthy in their beliefs, healthy in their love for God, and their love for their neighbor, and healthy in their endurance. And we see that these three things, they build off of one another. First, a sound faith. These men needed to believe in the right things. Namely, about what we talked about last week. They needed to be convinced in the triune God. That the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in essence and three in persons. And they need to hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that he died for their sins and that he rose from the dead three days later. You see, a, a, a sound faith, not only does it bring with it the blessing of eternal life, but it sanctifies a person from within, aiding these men to develop other traits that God desires, namely being sound in love. Yes, faith leads to a love for God and a love for God's people. These men were to be like their master, Jesus, who put others ahead of himself. Ahead of himself. Such love should be a demonstration to the world of the power of Christ and the truth of the gospel. And finally, they, they should be sound in endurance. These men were not to waver in their faith or love. Rather, they should be steadfast. Given that, that, that heresy had already infiltrated this young church, it was vital that these older men set the example of remaining true, both in their convictions and in their behaviors. They must be sound in endurance. So ask yourself, do you believe in the triune God? Do you believe in Christ's death and in his resurrection? But more than that, do, do those things, do they motivate you to a love for God and a love for your neighbor? And when trials come your way, or when the world wants, wants to entice you and, and drag you away from your faith, do you persevere? Do you, do you hold fast to what you believe and in the God you love and your love for his people? Well, enough about older men. Let's, let's talk about older women. Look at verse 3. <laughs> this is all good stuff for the women, too. Verse 3 starts out with likewise. See, it's all good for the women, too. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Again, the, the, the median age for the death of a woman at this time was much lower than what we see today. The average age of death was 34. That's a good 12 to 13 years younger than the men. Why was there such a difference? Partially because of the dangers that were associated with childbirth. We are blessed to live in a, in a day and age where, where medical technology has made childbearing relatively safe. Basically, what, what people were dealing with in Paul's time were a number of women who died young due to complications giving birth. And then there was another group of women who died at a much older age, similar to the men in their society. So again, the group that Paul was dealing with was most likely in their mid to upper 30s or in their 40s, just like the men. These were women who had already raised their own children 
and we're probably grandmothers by now. Just like the, the older men, the older women were to be respectable. Paul says that they were to be reverent in the way they live. The Greek word used here is hieroprepes, and it means befitting men, places, actions, or things sacred to God. So whether it was a holy man or a holy place, a holy ritual, or a holy object, they were to treat it with respect. This word conveys the idea that they were to act in a manner showing deference and veneration to the things of God. Part of this reverent behavior meant that they were to control their tongues. They were not to slander or, or defame others, particularly those within the church, God's holy people. Back then, this practice of slandering was typically done through idle gossip. I don't think much has changed. Gossip, a whispered word from one person to another, and the next thing you know, a man's or a woman's reputation is tarnished. And it can all seem so innocent at first. Did you hear about so-and-so? And yet, often, this information that is spread is unverified. So why do people say things that might not be true? Perhaps gossip makes them feel better about themselves. Maybe it props them up a notch on the social ladder. It could be that, that spreading such rumors works in favor of that person. They want to see a certain decision go a certain way. And so they defame their opponent in the hopes of persuading the group. Brothers, sisters, may this never be said of First Congregational Church. Gossip is an egregious sin. It causes turmoil and division within the church. It brings dishonor to your brother or your sister in Christ. Be careful about what you say. Think before you speak. Of course, it takes two to gossip, doesn't it? It takes open lips and an open ear. Listen, if someone comes to you with an accusation or a rumor about another, gently correct that person. Ask them not to speak evil of another in front of you. And then challenge them to go directly to that person that they are speaking of in order to get the true story. Please hear me out. Christ's church does not speak about one another behind their backs. No, you are supposed to be, you are to be open and honest with each other. We are to build one another up and not tear one another down. Paul goes on. Just like the men, alcohol abuse was an issue for the women as well. It wasn't only the men who needed to, be, who needed to learn to be sober-minded. You see, wine was the beverage of choice back then, and, and it was often served in abundance. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Paul is, is not saying that you should never partake in wine or, or alcohol. I mean, Jesus drank wine. What Paul is concerned about is the abuse of it. And finally, these women were to teach what is good. These older women were to serve as natural role models to the younger women. They were to pass on to that next generation the sound doctrines of the church. In other words, they were to lead through their voice and through their life. With the recent infiltration of the circumcision group, Titus would need more than just elders in the church, but a, but a whole generation to lead the way. He needed men and women of character, those who would be respected by the greater community, those who the, the younger generation could look up to. The challenge has been laid forth for the, for the older generation of Paul's day and for the older generation of today. Are you willing to become this kind of person? In order for First Congregational Church to be a strong witness for Christ, not only do we need to speak the gospel, but we need to become men and women of good repute. But the challenge is not just for those of old age, but for the younger generation as well. Today you live in a, in a society that is youth-driven and doesn't have much use for old people. It's a culture that pays no attention to their elders. Are you willing to break from that mold and, and learn from the, the men and the women that God has established a godly character within? This is what God is calling his church to be. And a church that can do this right will be a church whose message is heard. After all, that is your desire, is it not? To tell the world about your Savior, Jesus Christ? That even though he, he is fully human, he is also fully God? That he lived that sinless life in your place? That he, he died for your sins upon that cross and that he rose from the dead three days later? And now he sits in victory upon his throne at the right hand of the Father. And that any who repent and trust in him will receive eternal life. Don't you want to have that message communicated to the community of Allegan? This is what Paul is talking about. If we develop this type of character in our church, then our message will be heard. This is Paul's hope on Crete, and it should be your hope in your hometown. That at the proper time, the knowledge of the truth, which is the hope of eternal life, would be preached to the ears of those who have been called to the faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Paul's instruction to Titus. 
like the people of Crete, we too need to learn these things. Help us to become men and women of godly character. That our, our love for one another would, would show the world that we are Christ's disciples. We thank you for your son who, who died for our sins. And, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us in these matters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.